0: Pet Resource Radio is brought to you by our friends at La Mega KC, Kansas City Spanish Radio Station, and of course by our friends at One Kansas City Radio. Listen at 100.1 in the KC area or listen online at one kcradioorg <laughs>
1: Today we're talking with our CEO and founder, Michelle Rivera, about where we've been, where we are, and where we're going, this week on Pet Resource Radio. From the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City, I'm Sierra
0: Howe. And I'm Dave Shapiro. And yes, indeed, welcome to the program. We're coming to you from the headquarters of the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City here at 59th and Troost. We're a nonprofit dedicated to keeping pets and people together through supportive services for folks in need.
1: We've got an interview with our founder and CEO coming up in a few minutes. But first, how about some pet news?
0: First up, a recent study done by an international team of researchers and published in Canine Medicine and Genetics shows that those traits we value in certain breeds come with a cost, namely the fact that the majority of dog breeds are actually inbred, which contributes to an increase in disease and health care costs throughout a dog's life. Through genetic analysis across 227 breeds of dogs, the average inbreeding amount was close to 25 percent, which is high, y'all. To put it another way, you share 25 percent of your genetic material with a mother or father, brother or sister. Veterinary geneticist Danica Banash, the lead researcher on the project, says, quote, data from other species combined with strong breed predispositions to complex diseases like cancer and autoimmune diseases highlight the relevance of high inbreeding in dogs to their health. Is there a way back from where we are? The researchers suggest careful management of breeding populations to avoid additional loss of genetic diversity through breeder education and monitoring of inbreeding levels.
1: This is kind of crazy. I'm very curious to see what my dogs, Beasley specifically, what hers would look like because we did get her off of Craigslist. right? But the other one, we've done a genetic or DNA test to see Cause she's a mutt. Right. And so I'm not too worried about her, but Beasley's a German
0: shepherd. So yeah. Mm. And it is, it's definitely, it's something that we've talked about before where um, there's a, it really, those, the, the specialized breeds, the quote unquote purebreds really come with the cost. There are breeding standards um, that must be met in order to be a purebred. And that often causes there to be problems. Um and so,
1: yeah, and that makes me not want to do the DNA test or anything like that to right. know because Just, I work in a vet clinic now yep. and we see those issues yep. a lot.
0: Yeah. So it, it's 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 important to remember, I mean, look, we love all pets here. Yes, we do. And there are purebreds in shelters that need to find homes and we want them to find homes and, and that's of course what we want. But um it is a situation where we should probably be shedding a little bit more light on the fact that, you know, we are causing damage to this companion species that we've been with for thousands of years. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. I just think maybe we should, we should be talking about it
1: for sure. Up next in pet news, Lauren Casden, a food delivery driver was dropping off food for a customer. She put the food on the porch, texted the customer that she'd completed the delivery and went back to her car. And that's where she found a cat. Yep, a black and white cat had jumped through the partially open window and made herself right at home. She wasn't startled by Lauren's presence at all and in fact climbed right into her lap and started making biscuits. The cat was dirty and covered in fleas, so Lauren immediately picked up some supplies from the local drugstore to get the kitty, which she ended up naming Athena, all cleaned up. After the bath, she dried Athena off with a towel and the cat fell asleep in her arms. And even though she's always been a dog person, how could she refuse such a sweet and kind visitor? So she made Athena a permanent part of her home. It's a super sweet story. A very sweet story. I feel like this needs to happen to me because this is the only way that my fiance is going to let me get another pet. (laughs) but seriously one of those
0: chance meetings has to happen um no this is adorable yeah i figured we'd start off the show today we'd start put news with the depressing news first and then go to the sweet
1: news yeah Yeah. because this and the pictures y'all are so cute we'll put the link in the show notes but you have to go look at them because they're like the bestest friends now yeah
0: they are and it's just it's the the most adorable thing to see i tell you what why don't we go talk to our founder and ceo michelle rivera
1: The last time we had our CEO and founder, Michelle Rivera, on Pet Resource Radio was a year and a half ago when we released our very first episode. Today, she joins us again to talk about how far we've come, but also what we have on the horizon for 2022 PRCKC's 20th anniversary. Michelle, welcome to Pet Resource Radio.
2: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
1: And so before we jump in and talk about all of the good things Pet Resource Center has on the horizon for 2022, I want to talk about this past year because it was a record-breaking one for us. We helped more pets in 2021 than any previous year since opening in 2002 as and Neuter Kansas City. So let's talk about why that was. What things did we do differently or improve on to help pets and people where they need it the most?
2: Sure. Um, It is a combination of things that happened in in our uh, community. Um, During the pandemic, a lot of full-service veterinarian clinics found themselves unable to meet the demands of their current clients. They had to adjust their logistics and do service through the parking lots. And a lot of people were just unable to get into their own veterinarian clinics Another thing that happened is a lot of people went out and adopted pets because of the pandemic. And then because we were setting up in our parking lot to avoid uh, that close contact, we were able to actually set up a system in the parking lot that allowed us to serve even more clients and pets. And so the combination of all those things ended up creating a system that was very efficient through our parking lot, six lanes of traffic, and therefore, we were able to see a lot more pets.
1: And then also, we had a, like a second location in Olathe where we took our mobile unit out to serve different areas other than KC Moe. So why was that? What, how did that idea come about? Sure.
2: We were receiving a lot of phone calls from people, pet owners, who said they were unable to get out, either transportation issues or they were just fearful um, due to COVID and the pandemic of getting out into the public. And so we wanted to bring more services to them. We started with more curbside, going to areas where people were unable to get out, disabled people, and then setting up locations that were closer to them that they could access um, instead of having to come here to this building.
1: And then... What about the new programs that we implemented? We have the Mary Reed Treatment Center where we were able to provide low-cost treatment for heartworm or parvo and also a dental clinic.
2: Correct. Um, With the increase of business and seeing more pets, of course, it would naturally come that we would see more problems as well. And we needed to fill that gap. There's just limited services still in Kansas City to provide levels of special medical, dental, and other preventative care. So we started implementing those programs in-house for the clients that we were serving.
1: And you feel very passionately about our customer service and how we do everything that we can to be there for clients and their pets, especially during the pandemic when it's arguably the toughest time of their life. We actually grew our organization by how many employees do you think last year? Uh,
2: We've added about 15 new employees, additional positions to meet the demands of the phone calls and the visits to our clinic.
1: And why do you think that was necessary? Um, You know, we've always, I've
2: always had a vision for excellence in customer service. Just because we're nonprofit and we serve low income doesn't mean that we should give anything less than exceptional service. These are people who own pets, who love and care about their pets, and they deserve nothing but the best. The best way that we can provide the ultimate education to our clients is through compassion, through empathy, and that just comes with treating them as humans, uh, being nonjudgmental, and working with them to give them the knowledge and education that they need to keep their pets happy and healthy. We um, know and recognize that good customer service helps us in oh, so many ways. Uh, it helps us through referrals. they People refer uh, their friends and family to us that are in need of, of supportive services. Um, plus, it just makes you feel good. I think for our employees, um, giving excellent customer service in return helps them um, feel good, Um, about providing that service were high, high volume. And so there would be no other way to do this except to provide excellent customer service and feel good about all the people you're helping every
1: single day. And one way that we do that is something that was new in 2021 was we started meeting every morning before we opened and we would talk, remind ourselves of core values. And we also do continuing education every other Thursday where all parts of the organization, administration, outreach, clinic, we all meet together to keep ourselves up to date on the important things that we need to in veterinary medicine. How do you think that had an impact on 2021 and the number of pets that we helped? Um, well, <clears throat> for
2: one, when the pandemic hit, we turned into more of a disaster zone um, as far as operational and we um, focused on just helping where we could and what we could because we were uncertain of the future. Um, And that, that then was a time where we would all get together every single morning and debrief on the day's um, activities. And that just carried over as we brought staff back. It was an opportunity for us to remind ourselves that we're all one team and putting ourselves all in one room, looking at each other and talking about the day prepared everybody as one team Um, Versus trying to relay on disseminating information and communication to other departments. That was the thing that was always missing in this organization was just the dissemination of information between departments. And once we brought everybody back and together, I feel like we have uh, created some really solid traditions and things that happen in the morning that make our team who they are and this organization um, a pleasant one to work for.
1: Yeah, and that's one of my favorite parts is being able to jump in up front in the clinic and know what I'm doing to be able to help our clients and their pets versus, you know, I spend most of the time at my computer and I feel like I don't get that face-to-face interaction as much as everyone else. What would you say were our biggest challenges in 2021 and how did we shift our focus to accommodate families with pets in the fallout of the pandemic?
2: Our biggest challenges was the um, increase in in need of services was so overwhelming, and we did not have enough staff to meet the demands of the phone calls. We were only answering less than 50% of our phone calls, and we were having to divert putting people on a wait list, and we've never had to do that in our history. Um, But we ended up at one time with over 400 people on a wait list for surgeries when We had suspended services and then just trying to keep up. Um, We still are struggling with, you know, um, keeping all the phones answered and we have the highest Mm -hmm. number of call center people we've ever had in our history, but we just shift and pivot and continue to find solutions to the problems that we have, which are, and honestly, all good problems.
1: Yeah, exactly. One of the new things that we also started this past year was going out and partnering with Uplift. They go out every... Wednesday night and they give hot food to people and we tagged along and we're now providing pets with food um, through that partnership. How do you think that impacts our community? Well I've always
2: believed in partnerships with other organizations to reach our targeted clientele. We can't do this alone. There's just too many people and pets that need our help. So it's best if we partner with other organizations who are on the front lines and and dealing with the poverty and the low-income pet owners in our communities, so that we can reach them and their pets.
1: And when we're able to work together, we're able to have a bigger impact. And we all know that the world is a much, much different place now. The pandemic not only affected people, but also pets. And so how did that impact the state of animal welfare, welfare in our city as a whole? And how did we have to respond to that?
2: Yeah, Um, we're happy to see the increase of business and and the number of people and pets coming to us and, and we're able to help them, but there's still a lot of need out there. I believe during the pandemic, there's some setbacks that we had, unfortunately, not necessarily due to the pandemic, but at the same time, we were transitioning to privatizing animal control. Animal control also during the pandemic went down to a minimal number of staff as well as they had to shift their focus on what priority calls were. So I think we've saw several years of lack of service that has put us in a a position where I believe we've had an explosion uh, of pets in our communities from um, pets just left on the street that are unaltered, that are procreating and and creating to the surplus of pets, as well as more people acquiring pets. Um, So there is a still a lot to be done in the animal welfare community, but we're dedicated and committed to building programs and filling those gaps wherever is needed.
1: Does the thought of that keep you up at night?
2: Uh yeah. I'm I'm disheartened and and to know that this, you know, the last twenty years of our hard work is somewhat being undone um is, is a setback, but um I'm also more determined than ever to yeah. in, increase our programs and uh, get out there and do whatever we can to help all pets.
1: Yeah, and I see that in your eyes every day that you come to work. But let's move on to 2022. We're almost a month into the new year. So what is on our horizon? And yeah. what are some of the goals or resolutions that we have to keep more pets and people together?
2: Sure, there's a lot of exciting things happening. First and foremost, we we need to continually assess and uh, keep our eyes on our community and what's happening Um, We don't want animals to fall through the cracks. And so it's important that we're providing the the right level of resources to the community so people can keep their pets, um, but still addressing the stray and homelessness population so that does not increase and undo our work. We want to continue our mobile services and branch out and reach underserved areas, um, as well as we uh, will be starting a capital campaign this year. To remodel our entire clinic. Yes, we're very excited. Mm -hmm. Um, This will give us an opportunity to build a larger surgery unit to do even more surgeries. It will allow us to build onto our special medical and wellness clinics to serve more pets, um, as well as bring on programs such as uh, dentals and just special medical treatments for all pets in need.
1: And I'd also add to continuing to put a hard focus on customer service and also building more relationships with community partners in the community so that we can work together to keep growing the number of pets that we see every year.
2: Yes, there's a great organizations in town. And I think um, our goal is to find ways that we absolutely can work together. Um, Again, I, I, I can't stress this enough that we can't do it alone. We need to depend on on other partners and um, organizations to work together to reach all pets in need.
1: And also just average people in our community as well. But big picture, thinking about how far this organization has come in the last 20 years, does it even compare to the dream that you once had when you wanted to start this organization? Did you ever think you'd make it this far?
2: No, I, I, I didn't see this far. I... Had hoped and, and um, envisioned at one time decreasing the surplus of pets to the point that no more animals would be killed in our shelter, and that happened back in 2016. And and I kind of thought back then maybe we put ourselves out of business, um, but we haven't. We've pivoted and evolved into what I really feel is is the true reason why I started this organization is is how important pets mean. To people. And I had a, you a know, personal experience with that, knowing um, that a puppy saved my life and um, meant the world to me. And now seeing hundreds and hundreds of families who were distraught at the thought of having to give up their pets or not being able to um, receive the adequate care or, or medical supplies or support to their pets was devastating to them. And to the point that these people, that their pets meant everything to them. So I'm so proud now of how big and explosive we've gotten to the point of uh, being able to help almost everybody.
1: Yeah, and you can just walk out into our parking lot at any time, and you'll be sure to find someone who thinks very highly of the work that we're doing, and it just feels really, really good. So... When you think about it, how does it make you feel to know that throughout the past two decades, you've led an organization that has impacted over half of a million pets and their families in the community? That's a big number.
2: It, yeah. it Yeah. It's very big. <laughs> um, it's great. It feels great. I can't, I, I don't take credit for it. I, I know, give all you know. credit to all of the people that have come through this organization and have uh, contributed to the mission of our organization. And Um, but I'm one of those people, I'm an entrepreneur at heart, so it's never enough. Um, I know I'll be doing this, um, until I can't. Um, and it just, I want to make sure that we help all pets. I I don't want to see pets fall through, um, the gaps that are left in our community. I want to make sure that we can get to every pet.
1: So what's next five, 10 years down the line?
2: Um, I just hope, as a community, that we can come together and, and understand we all have a shared mission and a vision to help those pets um, and bring those resources together to uh, be a stronger uh, resource and education for pet owners um, would be my dream that we we are truly working together and that no animal ever is turned away.
1: Well, thank you. Perfectly said. And thank you just for being on the show today. Absolutely. Because I know you're very, very busy leading this organization with lots of love. And it was glad, I was glad to have you back on the show because well, you were our first me. episode. Well, so thank you. We're wrapping it, bringing it full circle. There so. you go. All right. Thank you. Thank you. episode, we want to talk about something we haven't touched on before, namely the idea that cats can see in the dark. Because, as it turns out, they really can't. They can see better than humans in the dark, but they don't have any magical dark vision.
0: Cats' vision is different from humans in a number of ways. The primary difference has to do with the retina, which sits at the back of the eye and has cells called photoreceptors, which turn light rays into electrical signals that we then process with our brains. The photoreceptor cells are called rods and cones, with rods being the ones that detect brightness and shades of gray, while cones are responsible for day vision and the perception of color.
1: Cats have a higher number of rod receptors than us and a lower number of cone receptors, so while they can see better in the dark than us, we actually can detect colors better. Cats also have a structure behind their retina called the tapetum, which acts like a mirror and gives the rods and cones another chance to pick up light. This is also what makes cats' eyes glow in the dark.
0: Cats appear to be able to see moderate saturations of the colors purple, blue, green, and yellow, with all of the shades appearing to them as some form of gray. They're also nearsighted, which better suits their natural hunting ability. And they have a wider visual field than humans, around 200 degrees, as opposed to our own measly 180.
1: So while cats may not be able to see perfectly in the dark, they've definitely got a lot of adaptations that are in line with their nature and behavior. And it's amazing to know just exactly how our little friends see the world. say goodbye to you friends thanks again to our ceo and founder michelle rivera for taking the time to talk with us today
0: we of course are a nonprofit, just trying to keep pets and people together and you can help just go to prckc.org and you can donate volunteer shop our online store and more
1: if you're listening to us on your favorite podcasting app please rate us and leave us a review that helps people find us and for all the latest news follow us on social media we're at prr podcast on twitter and facebook
0: and so, tailwags and purrs to you and yours, and as the English poet Alexander Pope said, histories are more full of examples of the fidelity of dogs than of friends. Take care. Pet Resource Radio is a production of the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City, hosted and produced by Sierra Howe and Dave Shapiro. Written, edited, mixed, and mastered by Dave Shapiro. Music by Raw Musical Industries, a.k.a. me. More info at soundcloud.com slash musical industries.